0: tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Speaking of family, uh, this past year I got married, and so, um, whoop, whoop, let's give it up for marriage. <laughs> and if you're single, I'm believing that there is someone in this place for you this morning. Come on, somebody. No, but... Uh, When I got married, I inherited a lot more family, like a lot more family. And so just to give you a picture, yesterday we had a family reunion and we did a count and there were 17 grandkids running around at this family reunion. And there were 17 adults like it was crazy. And so I'm not used to that. And so I have all this family now. and, And one of the people in that family is someone that we call Papa. And so Papa is in his 80s. Yeah, he's an OG. He's just awesome. Like, genuinely, if you want to feel touched by God, you ask Papa to pray for you. Like, this man is a prayer warrior, and I always feel encouraged by him. But no matter how holy people are, you guys know people are human. And so sometimes people frustrate you, right? You got any family in the place that frustrates you? Yeah, come on. Someone say amen. (laughs) Amen. But with that, so Papa is someone, like I said, I genuinely love. But we, a couple weeks ago, we were at the pool, and my in-laws have a pool. And so we were swimming, enjoying ourselves and everything. And before I go any further, I heard someone say this the other day, and I, I think this is true. If you marry a 10, that makes you a 10. I'm just letting you know. If they're going to dog on you and say you outkicked your coverage, I'm telling you right now, if you married a 10, then you are a 10. And that's what I am because I married a 10. And so I ain't worried if I'm a little chubby or I got a dad bod, whatever. So we're swimming and everything, and we get done. We're ready to go to dinner, and I got my towel on. And I walk up, and Papa says, hey, JT, can you come over here? And so I thought, man, he's going to, like, anoint me or something. I'm going to get a word from the Lord. And he says, can you take take your towel off? So I'm like, okay. And he has the audacity to look at my wife and say, oh, Megan, you need to stop feeding him he is chubby. That boy is fat. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm not beyond whooping an 80 year old man. I'm I'm not. Don't try me. And after that, you know, we went to dinner afterwards and we had, I remember we had tacos that night and I didn't eat any tacos. None. All I did was eat the salad. I I just ate a salad. That was it. And everyone kind of knows that I eat, I, I can eat. And so everyone, what, is everything okay? You know, you're just, you're not eating as much. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then in the car ride home, you know, I started to, to vent to my wife. I was offended, you know. I'm like, man, this dude, who does he think he is? I, I'm not beyond whooping an 80-year-old like I just said. I, I, I don't like him. He's not nice to me. And I, I started to go down this rabbit hole. And so I tell you that story to let you know that what we're about to read here today in Philippians 4, 1 through 9 is a similar circumstance. There's two women that Paul is calling out by name and letting them know, hey, I know that one of you said something to offend the other one, but let's squash the beef right now. Let's, let's end this disagreement. There is peace that is possible for your relationship. And so today I want to title my message, Possible Peace. There's possible peace for your relationships and there's possible f- peace for you as an individual. So before we go any further, let's just pray real quick, all right? Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, I just ask that these would be your words and not mine. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged and challenged as we leave this place today and that we would have real encounters with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just got four points today. That's it. And then we can go eat and, it, and we can call it a day, okay? Okay. So the first point I want to start in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And this is what it says. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown that I receive from my work. Now I appeal to you, you Odia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they... Worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, um, whose names are written in the book of life. So the first point that I want to, to have is squash the beef. Squash the beef. You see, in uh, the beginning of this chapter, the first word we read is Therefore. The reason Paul puts that in there is because he's attaching the ideas from chapter 3 into chapter 4. So it's like, hey, I gave you these ideas, like what Pastor Kevin talked about two weeks ago and Pastor Alex last week. That whole chapter is directly related with chapter 4. And so as we read this transition, now Paul's saying, hey, I gave you these ideas, but now I'm going to show you how to work them out. I'm going to show you the practicality of what I just talked about in chapter 3. And Paul uses some of the same concepts. In, in verse, chapter 3, verse 14, Pastor Alex talked about this last week. It says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And so he uses this idea of a race. And in the Greek culture, there was one race that was the race of all races. And if you were to win this race, you would get a crown. And so Paul leads this off with saying, you are my crown. You see, in this race, the greatest achievement in all of athletics was this crown. And so Paul is letting us know in these moments right now as he primes us for what he's saying is that there is no greater achievement than introducing people to Jesus. There is no greater achievement than crowding heaven. Nothing is better than that. And so in that, Paul is saying people matter. Relationships matter. And so as I continue is what Paul's, he said, hey, I need to let you know from the jump that people matter and relationships matter. And then he transitions to to two people in particular, Yodi and Sentai, and he calls them by name. Now, I don't know about you guys, this is the only time they're mentioned in the Bible. I do not want to be known for one thing, and that one thing is having problems with people. (laughs) But these two do. But the thing is, this is a side note, this is a freebie. These two people were women, and they were leaders in the church. And so ladies you are leaders. I'm telling you this morning, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Ladies, you are leaders. And so Yodi and Syntyche are right here, and he calls them out by name. He says, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. He says the beef is not worth it. People and relationships matter more than your conflict. No one can be at peace with God and at odds with others. I'm not saying that you can't have a relationship with God while you have problems with other people, I mean, for crying out loud, they wanted to kill Jesus, right? And he, he didn't have a lot of problems with people, but people had problems with him. And so people will have problems with you. But I'm telling you today, if you have problems with people, if you have hate and bitterness and rage in your heart towards someone else, it's going to affect your relationship with God. It will. So you can't be at peace with God and at odds with others. We can't hold on to offenses because offense can lead to bitterness. And then bitterness spreads like a poison and bitterness can get into not just your relationship with the person you're frustrated with. It can get into your marriage, like your, your marriage relationship, your family relationships. It can spread to your, your work relationships. And then the worst of all, it can spread to your relationship with God. So you can't be at peace with God and at odds with others. You see, we can only really love each other. If we love Jesus, that's where we learn how to love is with Jesus See, take a second and look around this room. Look around, look at everybody. We got different races, we got different social classes, we got different ages, we got families, we got single people, we got newly married people, we have different economic statuses. We've got more differences in this room than we do have things in common. But yet, look around again. We're all here this morning, are we not? And why are we here this morning? Because what we have in common with Jesus is far more important than what we have at difference with each other. That's why we did gather in this place. So Paul wants Yodi and Syntyche to realize, hey, Jesus is more important than your differences. Jesus is more important than your conflict that you have going on and the offenses that you're carrying. The next thing I want to read is verses 4 through 5. He continues. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. My next point, just one word, rejoice. Rejoice. This is one of Paul's most important themes throughout this letter, is to rejoice. And it's really crazy because we already, we already established that Paul's in prison. And not only is he in prison, he's waiting to be sentenced to death. Like he knows it's coming. It's a lock. And yet he's still telling us to rejoice. Paul's facing literal death and he still declares rejoice. Now, we can only truly rejoice when we have Jesus. When I was in high school, um, our football team, as, as, as a senior trip, we go on this trip to Jamaica, in Harmon's, Jamaica. And when we're there, we build houses. Uh, we play sports with some of the local people. Um, we do a lot, of, a lot of hard work. But one of the days, they send us to what they call the infirmary. And the infirmary is, is a really, really sad place. It's, it's something they don't prepare us for. They don't tell us ahead of time. They just pull up and we get out and we go in. And the infirmary is the place where you can drop your family members off and you never have to see them again. Now, those of you that just picked your phone up to book a flight to Jamaica, I'm going to need you to put it away. That's not cool. But all that to say, it, it really genuinely is a really, really sad place. And so we go there and... Most of the people there have some sort of developmental disability and their family just couldn't take care of them. And some of them didn't want to take care of them. And so when you go, you're walking in, There's probably 60 beds in this facility and there's maybe one or two nurses. So you've got people who are sitting in their bed. They haven't been seen for a couple of days. Uh, they don't have any visitors. Their family members never come back. Um, they sit in their, in their own feces and urine and it's dirty and I, it's just a really sad, sad place to go. And so we go, and um, like I said, uh, you can drop anyone off there. A lot of people drop their family members off there. And so we were walking around, and there was one guy in particular who caught my eye. His name was Joseph. And he was probably somewhere in his 80s, and he was completely blind, but he was a really sharp guy. And so I sat down with him, and I said, all right, Joseph, like, what's going on, man? he's like, yeah, I'm blind. And so I asked, have you been blind your whole life? Have you lived here your entire life? And he said, no, I actually was married and I've got kids who are now adults and um, I just started developing this blindness and the doctors couldn't do anything for me. So they, uh, they told me that this is just how I was going to live. And so my family dropped me off here. And so I thought, Oh, maybe this is a different circumstance. Maybe his family just needed some help and they come and see him still. So I asked him how often they come to see him. And he said, well, since they dropped me off, they never been back one time. It'd been years since he had seen his family. And so I asked him, what, what, I'm going to be here for a couple hours today. What do you want to do? We could play games. We can talk. We could pray. And he said, can you just read the Bible to me? And I said, absolutely. Where do you want me to read? And he said, go to Matthew 5 and start reading Matthew 5. And bear in mind, this man is blind. He can't see anything. He starts to read it with me word for word. Every single word I say, he's saying exactly what it is. And at certain parts, he gets excited. So I thought, maybe he's pulling over on me. But I realized I'm holding the Bible like this. So he can't even see the Bible. It's in him, it is in his heart. And then he'd get excited at certain verses. Oh, this is my favorite one. Read that one again. All right, hey, go to Psalm 23 now. Go to Psalm 119. Go to Nehemiah 8. We're going all over the Bible, and everywhere we're going, he's reading it word for word and getting excited and joyful. And I thought, man, how can this guy be happy today? Like, he has nothing. The only people that visit him are us who come like once a year. How does that work? And I realized that Joseph has joy because Joseph has Jesus. He doesn't need anyone else. You see, the word happy is all based on the chances and changes of life. So whatever chances happen to fall your way or whatever things change in your favor, that can determine your happiness or your sadness. But joy isn't dependent on those. Joy is dependent on Jesus. It's rooted in Jesus. And the truth is, is we can't lose our joy because we can't lose our Savior. We can't. We can't lose our joy because we can't lose our Savior. And Joseph has joy. And Paul is saying, hey, I know the chances of me going and dying right now is high. I know that things have changed. You know, I was traveling and preaching and now I'm in a prison cell, but I still got joy. And that's all that matters. As you continue, there's, there's the line that says, be considerate. Let people see you are considerate in all you do. And as I studied this, I realize it's the Greek word. I'm probably going to butcher it because I'm not Greek. It's epikos. So I hope I said it right. But it's epikos. And this word is really hard to translate is what I found out. It'd be as if Paul was saying, let everyone see that you are considerate, gentle, humble, and fair in all that you do. That you are willing to meet people halfway. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, tried to explain this word. And he said that it's better than justice. It's beyond justice. And if you want a picture of what that looks like, in John chapter eight, Jesus is teaching. And the, and the Pharisees dragged this woman that they just caught in adultery into the ring. And they said, hey, the law of Moses says we can stone her. That's what justice looks like in this situation. Justice would be us stoning her because she's deserving of it. And Jesus takes a second, he writes in the dirt, he gets back up and he says, okay, you who have never sinned, you throw the first stone. And then one by one, they slowly start to dwindle away until no one's left except her and Jesus. And Jesus says, where are your accusers now? I don't condemn you either. Get up and go and sin no more. See, Jesus showed them beyond justice right there. He showed them something better than it. You see the legal right, the law says that he had every right to stone her and even when he said, you who have never sinned, you can throw it. He still had the right at that point to do it. But he showed her something better than justice. And so Paul is using this word to, to tow Yodia and Syntyche, which they very well may have been justified in their anger. I know a lot of times when someone offends you or something, you could be justified in your anger, right? Like, man, I know I'm in the right. And you, you start to tell yourself that. You give this narrative that you're right, they're wrong. They deserve punishment. They deserve consequences. But Paul's saying, hey, Yodi and Syntyche, meet each other halfway. Be people who meet halfway. Be people that show people better than justice and beyond it. You see, so many times in life, we as Christians and as the church, we have legal right to get our pound of flesh. In this church, out of this church, like we have things that benefit us. But just because the law says it's okay doesn't mean it's the Christ-like thing to do. There's more. There's beyond justice. And God had the right to leave us to our sin. He had the right to leave us to the death that came with it. But he didn't only go halfway. Jesus came all the way to earth from heaven, put on skin and bones and said, look, I'm going to die the death you deserve. That justice that God had, he's going to pour it out on me. And I'm perfect. And then he took it a couple steps further. And he said, I'm not just going to go all the way. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to hell. And I'm going to take the keys to death, hell, sin in the grave. You're forgiven. But with that forgiveness, what are we going to do with it this morning? Are we going to be people that show that same type of forgiveness and meet people halfway? Squash the beef. Rejoice. My third point. Verses 6 and 7. This is a popular verse. I'm sure some of you guys have probably heard it before. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. My next point is trade worry for peace. Trade worry for peace. You know, I'm someone that struggles with anxiety, Any other anxious worry warts in the place today? Okay, come on. I can relate. So I I struggle with anxiety. You can ask the people that I love, that love me the most, how illogical and stupid some of my worries are. Like, dude, why are you thinking about, like, why are you worried about that? And sometimes when you go to people thinking, hey, I I gotta share this anxiety with them, they're gonna help me. And then they just tell you, like, don't worry about it. Relax, chill. It's like, duh. I know I'm not supposed to worry about it. Like, you telling me not to worry about it is not helping me at all. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, don't worry about anything. And then he takes it a step further and says, pray about everything. Again, I'm going to reiterate this. Paul is in a prison cell. If anyone's got license to worry, it's Paul. But even he's telling you, stop worrying, but pray about everything. The word worry literally means being pulled apart. It means to be pulled apart. The, The other definition I saw is to strangle. And when I read that, I was like, holy cow, that's what it feels like when I'm I'm worrying. I feel like I'm being strangled. You see, worry strangles our joy. But can I tell you today, whatever worry or anxieties you're bringing into this church, there's no panic in heaven. He's not panicked. He's not worried. He's not. And he has a plan for you. You see, how how do you get past worrying? How do you trade worry for peace? It's through prayer. Prayer leads to experiencing God's peace, and peace is the fruit of believing prayer. I know some of y'all pray, and you just kind of say what you need to say, and that's it. But, see, peace is the fruit of believing prayer. And what does believing prayer um, include? What do you need for that? There's three things. You have to know God's wisdom, which always knows what's best for you. You have to know God's love, which always desires what's best for you. And you have to know God's power, which is capable and able of bringing what's best for you. And I told my wife this, and I, I thought about this song, and I, I, I want to remember this song now whenever I, I pray. It's the our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. If you go into prayer singing that song and remembering those three things, that's believing prayer. You can rest easy knowing that God's got what's best for you in store. See, he says God's peace will guard your hearts and minds. Now, whenever I was preparing this message, I kind of joked with Pastor Kevin about having him shackled up here next to me the entire message. But my wife also advised, like, you walk around a lot, so he's going to have to walk around with you, and it's going to be clanking, and it'll look awkward. But Paul's literally shackled to a guard day and night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And Paul uses this word that God's peace will guard your hearts and minds. And that word would have been in reference to the guard that was attached to him. He said, look, God's peace is always connected to you. So when worry starts to pull you this way, oh, I'm back to God's peace. When worry takes me a a, a little bit further, oh, the shackle, oh, nope, I'm right back to God's peace again. If you're walking in relationship with God, his peace is shackled to you. You can't get away from it. Paul knew that no matter how he began to wander or how far he got away from it, he was always going to get pulled and roped right back in. And so today, that's the kind of peace that God wants to give us. He wants to give you that kind of peace this morning that will guard your hearts and minds. You see, praying may not change your circumstance, but it can change your heart. As we continue going, this is my last point. I'm going to wrap up right here. Verses 8 and 9, this is what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, see, Paul's being so nice. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and you saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says to fix your thoughts on what is true and lovely and admirable, right, pure. Now this word fix comes from the word logic. And this word logic has to do with math problems. And I know, how many of you are good at math in the room? I know Mel is the best person I know I've ever met that's good at math, but I'm not good at math. I know we got some students right here that said they're good at math. So sometimes you learn things that just come like right off the the top of the dome. Like two plus two is four, right? That's easy. You don't even have to think about it. But then if I give you an equation, if I wrote you an equation out, that was like two plus two times seven and then times in the parentheses, seven plus four to the 13th power plus one third. You got to remember the order of operations, right? You just can't flippantly do that. You have to fix your mind on the problem and you have to work it out. And so just because you decide to follow Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have nasty thoughts. It doesn't mean you're going to have mean thoughts or negative thoughts. Those things don't just come when you, follow, when you start following Jesus. No, Paul says you have to fix your mind on the things that are true and admirable and lovely and pure and right. You have to fix your mind like you're doing a math problem. And so this idea... Sometimes, like I I think maybe Paul said this because maybe Yodi and Syntyche were believing some lies about the other person. Maybe they had this equation in their mind that they were believing negative things about that person. You see, they hadn't met them halfway. They hadn't said, look, I'm gonna believe the best in you. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt even though you don't deserve it. You see, in order for us to get the right answer, we have to do the right order of operations in the equation. And so we have to fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, pure. We have to think the best about the people around us. And then taking this a step further. So that's the think, think hard. Think hard is my first point of that. And then the second part of it is work hard, work hard. Paul says to keep practicing what is preached. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, Pastor Alex talked about this last week too at the end of chapter three and even Pastor Kevin at the beginning. He says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I follow Christ. You see, we have to work for relationship with God and others. I'm, I'm not. Don't twist what I just said. You can have a relationship with God by simply believing in him this morning. That's it. That's all it takes. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. But the steps after that take work. You see, it takes work for me to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and read my Bible. That takes work. And it takes work for me to get up on a Saturday morning and sit across from my pops and have real tough conversations and have hard conversations. It takes work. Relationships take work. And Paul is saying, hey, work hard for this relationship with God. Some of you I know probably come in this place because I can say it, this used to be me even to an extent. Man, I'd come into church on Sunday mornings and I'd feel like, oh, let me get my fix. Let me get the, the, the Holy Ghost uh, goosebumps and I know God's gonna say something to me. And then my Monday through Saturday was whatever JT wanted to do, whatever I wanted to do. It wasn't until I started to work for that relationship with God and work for that relationship with other people, be discipled, get a part of small groups, Um, find other community and people that wanna look more like Jesus for me to then begin to start looking more like Jesus. And so some of you today, I hope that it's resonating with your heart that, hey, I wanna look more like Jesus. I genuinely want to look more like Jesus and that takes work, that takes work. God's peace is what's promised if we work. He's saying, hey, God's peace will be with you. And that word peace comes up again. You see, godly thoughts produce godly living. Working hard to do the things we have been taught means the God of peace will be with us. And the beauty of us becoming more like Jesus, we can can do that by working hard and getting in our Bibles and things like that. We can also do it by getting coffee with people that you love and people that want to, Grow and be more like Jesus, too. But the best part of it all is that the Holy Spirit inside you starts to work to morph you and turn you into more of an image of Jesus. So you don't have to do it alone. And that's why you're in a place like this on a Sunday morning, so you don't have to do it alone. And Paul's trying to get them to realize hey, everyone in this place matters, relationships matter. So think hard and work hard. And it says that we'll have God's peace so this word peace is a is a hebrew word and we're going to open the altars up here for a little bit of worship and and wrap things up and uh have some prayer partners come down too but this word peace is the hebrew word shalom and this word shalom doesn't just mean the absence of worry and bad things because if it was just the removal of those things then we would be empty it's the removal of those things and then the insertion of everything good It's the filling up of God. That's what peace truly is. And so we look all the way back to the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world and we could see what life was meant to be. Life was meant to be lived in relationship with God. That's what it's all about. That's life as it was meant to be lived. But then sin came in and it broke that relationship. And so today... I'm believing that some of you are going to begin to live life as it was meant to be lived in relationship with your heavenly father. And we're going to open the altars up for those people today that want to pray with someone and invite Jesus into your life so that you can begin to live life as it was meant to be lived. But that's not the only people I want to invite to the altar this morning. Maybe something I said resonated with you. Maybe it was multiple things, but some of you realize hey i got beef that i need to squash i got beef with my spouse or i got beef with my kids or i got beef with my parents or another family member maybe with my friends and so you realize this it's not it's easier said than done right to say oh just just squash it let it go it takes heart work for god to to allow you to let those things go and so i believe today the altars are open for you who are realizing that you're holding grudges and offenses and bitterness has grown to a point where you can't even have a great relationship with the people around you and you want to maximize your relationship with God by forgiving those people and so I want to invite you to the altar as well those of you who are kind of like me that worry a lot God wants to exchange that worry for peace this morning and all it takes is a step towards him you know he wants to shackle his peace next to you so that no matter how far you begin to worry and get anxious and wander, that it's gonna pull you right back to his peace. And so I don't know what you may be worrying about this morning, whether that's uh, a report from the doctor, whether that's a job opportunity, whether that's uh, about kids or family, whatever, whatever you were worrying about, God's not panicked. And so God wants you to come to the altar and we're gonna have people that can pray with you and believe for that peace to overwhelm you. And then lastly, the the people that realize, you know what, you're right, JT, I was kinda like you. I come on Sunday mornings, I get my fix, and then I'm out of here. And I, I know I get forgiven every Sunday, but then I gotta come back the next Sunday for more forgiveness. And you realize today, hey, I want to look more like Jesus. I wanna look more like Jesus Monday through Saturday. And so I wanna invite you down too. I want you to come down and take that step of faith and say, Jesus, I'm stepping right now to show you that I want to be more like you. I'm going to take that courageous step and I'm going to do that. And so if the prayer partners would make their way to the front here, we're going to worship a little bit. But before I do, if everyone would stand on their feet real quick. Jesus is what brings us all together. And so we're a family in this place. And so before anyone comes down here, I want you to look to the person next to you. And I want you to say, hey, if you want to go down there this morning, I'll go with you because you're not alone here. We're a family. And so if you want to, I will go with you. And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to take a step. And if, if, if the person next to you wanted to go, you better go with them. And so one, God wants to give you his peace that passes all understanding this morning. Two. This is the greatest decision that you can ever make to live in a community and to live in relationship with Jesus. Three, let's worship for a couple moments this morning. God's up to something. Our prayers that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.